This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by TaylorMade and the all-new Stealth 2, Stealth 2 Plus, and Stealth 2 HD Carbon Woods. Designed with more carbon for more forgiveness. Learn more at TaylorMadeGolf.ca. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Good morning, Canada. Welcome inside another Wednesday edition of GTC. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Mark Sacchino is off today. I don't think he is on Canadian soil yet, but he will be at some point today. And Bob, Mark has only been in Canada for, I believe it's five days since the start of the new year, if I don't have that uh mistaken that's he's been gone for a while so uh i mean aside from seeing him via remote or satellite i mean i don't really know what he looks like anymore well we'll have to see if he gets across the border maybe there's longer times we don't know yet they uh, they may not let him back in the country we'll see <laughs> that's right but uh it's a we'll have a very busy show uh today our first leg of our triple header as we've had a lot of triple headers here on wednesdays throughout the early start of 2023 from now until noon right here on tsn 1050 then you can watch us on tsn 4 at 1 p.m and if you missed that airing don't worry we're on again at 5 p.m on tsn 2 lots going on in the world of golf we'll get to news and headlines here shortly today uh throughout the show we'll be not only looking at the valero texas open which gets underway tomorrow and the fan duel odds and the four canadians in the field and what Canadians like Taylor Pendrith, Nick Taylor, and Michael Gligget could do if they do go on to win this week and join the four Canadians at the Masters next week. We're also going to take a deep dive into the Masters because eight days away now. Eight days away, and we'll be looking at first-round coverage from the Masters. 88 players in the field as we speak right now. So Bob and I will discuss the Masters at the bottom of the hour. We're also going to be joined... By the man who does it all at TSN, Mr. James Duffy. James is going to join us uh, in hour two to discuss the Masters. And Bob, I saw this on social media. I think it was last year, two years ago. Are you his official photographer at Augusta, or is he your official photographer? <laughs> uh, I used to be his official photographer, actually. So it all stemmed from a number of years ago. Um, by the way, you... you you actually can't bring a camera or I mean, you right. can't bring a, a phone camera on the Augusta National. So I, uh, I purposely and for the only reason have a little, you know, pocket Nikon camera. Mm -hmm. And James was out walking around one day with one of his pals who would come down to see it. And so I took pictures of them and then I posted that they were all on my camera roll. So, of course, I had about 400 pictures of James and his buddy. And so I posted them all up and said that that was my job, that I was his official photographer, only because I was the only guy with a camera. So it was only by default that that really happened. But uh, the next year, I think he took a couple of me with using my camera as well. So we've kind of gone back and forth. But taking if you are going to Augusta, and I know there's some people who will go down for the practice rounds, remember, you cannot bring your phone on the property. So get yourself a camera. Even one of those, I don't know, do they still make those disposable Kodak ones with the film in them? I don't think there's any place you can get film developed anymore, is there? So... Get yourself yeah, a little you know, camera. Bob, 
It's worth it. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that in terms of disposable cameras. I know sometimes at weddings now they have like the retro cameras where it, it sort of prints a photo right in front of you right then and there. So I don't know if you can right. you know, do that sort of thing. But uh, it's a very exciting Polaroid. time of year. We'll have uh, James on the show a little later to discuss his prep. Because as uh, Sports Center with Jay Onright, as he said last night, uh, he couldn't do insider trading. James couldn't because he was hard at work preparing for the Masters and Gino had to fill in. So we'll discuss James prep for the Masters, which uh, you guys are traveling on Saturday, which is uh, it's cra- crazy to believe that it's already here. The season's first major. Can't wait for that. But before we get to all that, let's hit some news and headlines. News and headlines are brought to you by Sandbagger Hard Seltzer sandbagger everybody knows one now bob there's a ton of news that really went on uh throughout the last 48 hours or so uh but first a a story that we'll be tracking and have a little more as we progress throughout this two hours here on gtc is we do have a tournament underway right now and that's the augusta national women's amateur which is awesome to see now we had monet chun canadian on our show on monday during radio you can also see that interview during this the next two legs of our double of our triple header coming up on television later this afternoon but she's coming off a great season where historic season really in terms of a canadian amateur and it's awesome to see her have the chance to play at the augusta national women's amateur yeah she uh she was runner-up in the u.s women's amateur became very close to joining that select group of uh canadians who've won that tournament that hasn't been won for a number of years um and and did well and really throughout the amateur season and she's playing at the augusta national women's amateur now they've teed off but they're not playing at augusta today they are playing at uh, the other, well, the other Reynolds Plantation. I think it is down there right now. So they're starting off as an amateur, and it's a really, it's an amazing field of talented uh, women amateur golfers. Some of the best in the world. I think they've got like 29 of the top 30 ranked in the world ranking, plus a number of other ones from different countries. So this is a great, um, a great move by Augusta National. They were always sort of pushed about you know, women's rights and things, and they've taken a, a big turn. They've got women members now. They've got this tournament that they've been holding. There was some talk for a number of years that they might have an LPGA tournament. I don't think they will now that they have this one, but it's good to see, and it starts off, as we say, we've got this, and then we've got the drive, chip, and putt, another great um, event hosted by the Augusta National people, and then, of course, uh, it's right into the Masters. Yeah, I know you're going to be there, Bob, but for me personally, my last couple of years of Masters viewing, it's Saturday, just couch potato central, dialing in the Augusta National Women's Amateur throughout Saturday. Then Sunday morning, have a coffee, maybe a a nice brekkie sandwich or something, watching the drive, chip, and putt, and watching all these young players have the chance of a lifetime and seeing you know, past champions with their green jackets walking around and what an honor that is. But I, my, my goal, I want to talk to the people at Augusta National about getting an under 40 division, maybe for the drive, chip and putt. You know, like we have the under 16, <laughs> yeah. under 12. I mean, I'm not sure if that'll fly. But anyway, uh, we'll have much more on, on the Masters as we uh, move forward here throughout the show. And I should also note, too, uh, next week throughout our preview shows, we're all going to give our champions dinner on what we would serve. And we'll put a little thing on social media out where you, the audience, can get involved too and we'll announce some of your champions dinners as well. But Bob, getting to some of the news that has gone down in the last 48 hours or so, not Masters related for at least this 
piece of news. Uh, of course, designated events and PGA Tour, that's been a hot topic. We've mentioned it about a trillion times on our platform of shows throughout the early part of 2023. And the PGA Tour has outlined eligibility for designated events and adjusted FedEx Cup points model starting next year. So how guys can get involved. We have some sponsors exemptions for maybe guys like Tiger Woods, top 30 in the official world golf ranking for PGA Tour members, current uh, current year tournament members, or winners, I should say, full FedEx Cup points events too. So a lot to go down here. When, when you saw any of this, did anything maybe catch you by surprise? Uh, there wasn't anything that was really shocking. I mean, it's, it's sort of as they had advertised it was going to be. It's essentially um, a group of, of players who will be uh, exempt for the top, uh, for the designated events, and then but there's always a way that you can play your way in. It's, it's a little bit of a small way, but there is, you know, it's like they said in Dumb and Dumber, so you're saying there's a chance. So I think it's five players can play their way in every every one of the designated events. The only, you know, the only thing at this point that I think I would like to see is what are going to the other eight designated events going to be or seven, I guess, designated events going to be. And how is that calendar going to uh, shake out there? One of the big things they said is they don't want to have a tournament that's an island. So in other words, designated event, non-designated event, or what they're calling full field events, and then designated events. So people would normally skip um, the, the full field event, the top players would anyway. The other thing that I thought was key was that there's no, there's no, um, no rule that says top players have to play the designated events. So you can't skip it. Now, I don't know why you would. <laughs> I was talking with a PGA Tour player on Monday and he said, yeah, you know, like he thinks there's only like, he can only think of one player who skipped a, a, an event and he said it was because of a wedding or something. And I can understand that you might, you might say, okay, well, yeah, you've got a life event or something or a baby being born or something, but why would you pass up an event where there's no cut and, and last place is going to guarantee you something like a hundred and some odd thousand dollars? So I don't know. What, what, did you see anything, Adam, that stuck out for you? No, I, not, not really. I mean, the fact that, like you mentioned, where you can play your way into these tournaments is so crucial. And this really goes back to around the Players' Championship when there was that reported, what, seven-hour players' meeting, or was it the week before? I guess it was, where, you know, Rory McIlroy was talking about, you know, how if, if you're not in these events, just, just play better, you know. And he took the example of a Chris Kirk who – you know, wouldn't have been in a designated event, goes on and wins the Honda Classic, and he skyrockets up the ranking. So that gives these guys the chance to play in. It's not like it's a set field now for next year's Tournament X, you know, or guys like Nick Taylor, who, you know, finishes second place at the WM Phoenix Open, who, uh, you know, now has the chance, who's propelled his way to, you know, four top tens this season. That was a chance to, you know, make the Masters if he wins, of course, this week at the Valero Texas Open. So I, I think it's a, I think it's a good model. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm still, I'm still really, this whole no cut thing is, it's still bothersome to me, especially when you look at the field size of the Masters. How right now, 88 players. There could be 89 if, if someone goes on and wins this week who's not in the field already at the Valero Texas Open. But 88 players. There are some ceremonial golfers. You could call it that, Bob. And then top 50 in ties make the cut. So I, I still don't see why for these events next year where if you have, what, 70 or 80 players where you still can't make a top 50 and ties cut, especially when pace of play is just, I'm going to say it, embarrassingly slow on the PGA Tour. 
Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I, th- I think the, the players, though, sort of want uh, a sense of if I'm going to be here and it's a small field and I should be playing all four rounds if it's a PGA Tour event. And, you know, there, there's obviously history of guys coming from behind in that small of a field, depending on how far behind you are. But uh, let's go back to Carl Peterson at the Canadian Open of St. George's a number of years ago who made a number on the cut and ended up winning it. So I think that's what they they want to keep those people in. And also, I think they want their stars to keep playing all four rounds. It's it's a little bit about like what Liv is doing. You know, if you're a, a kid and you like Jordan Spieth and Jordan Spieth misses the cut, you know, and, and the other thing is the sponsors. The sponsors want these players around. They want them in the field because they want them to show, you know, show, obviously show up and bring more people to the through the gates and maybe schmooze some of their customers or what their clients or whatever it is. So I think there's a number of reasons. So I'm not really against it because I don't think it affects things other than, as you say, perhaps slow play. Yeah, totally. It's uh, It continues to be a moving target. So much going on in the world of golf with these designated events. I'm sure we'll hear, keep hearing more and more as uh, as the week uh, and the year really progresses. But getting back to a couple of different Masters-related news. So, uh, as always, the week before the tournament, uh, CBS, who has uh, broadcasted a lot of or many of the recent Masters in 50-plus years or so, they always host, uh, host a... Um, would you call that a news conference over the phone, Bob? Some sort of media-related press conference where you know pl- people can ask questions about the broadcast, but what can we expect? And a hot topic will obviously be the 18 live players who have earned their way into the field for the Masters. Now, we saw when some live players were playing on the DP World Tour, when they were shown, seldomly, on the broadcast it was very quick there wasn't really any sort of backstory it was hey here's taylor gooch hitting a shot okay let's go away and watch someone else walking down the fairway but cbs has said that they will not treat the live golfers any differently in terms of the broadcast they're not going to push that story forward unless there really is some sort of confrontation on the golf course right move do you think Oh, yeah, I think it is. I mean, I think we're going to do the same thing at TSN. We're, we've written stories about the fact that there are, this is the first time at the Masters that these two sides have come together. That's far different than not treating them any at, at all or giving them any respect. I think if you're the Masters, you want these just to be Masters players. doesn't matter where they happen to make their home or what tour they play. I think it's just very simple for them to, to do that. And, and I, I don't even think, it's almost to me a non-story, to be perfectly honest with you, in how you're going to cover it. Because, of course, you're going to cover it uh, as these guys are playing well and what they're doing and making birdies. And you're not going to shy away from, uh, from, from Abraham Anser, who's six under on the, on the first eight holes or something. You're not, just not going to show him just because he happens to play live. It's, mm-hmm. it's golf here. Then this is where the, uh, the parties kind of throw away their some of their allegiances anyway, and, and move ahead. I think that the, there will be some words, let's say, spoken between the two sides. I hope they're not too harsh, but I think there's... Listen, if, if Patrick Reed and Rory McIlroy are walking up the 18th hole on Sunday Tide, it's going to be a bit of a story, let's, not, let's face it. And there's some bragging rights between these two sides. You know that's going to come out. You know that each one of them wants to beat the other side. So, uh, you know, the players themselves may create the necessity to tell a story. Totally, and we'll have much more on the Live versus PGA Tour storyline at the bottom of the hour when we take a deep dive into the Masters. But uh, the Masters news, of course, keeps coming in. And something that I'm really curious to watch is 2 p.m. next Saturday, 
they're going to host something on CBS called 13 Green Jackets, hosted by Trevor Immelman, where Tiger, Jack Nicholas, and Scotty Scheffler will have some sort of a roundtable conversation about Augusta National, about the Masters. And I, I don't think, I mean, one of the, in terms of broadcast, I mean, looking back now, when we everyone has sort of locked down in COVID was when they replayed some of the Masters broadcasts and Jim Nance had Tiger on a Zoom call and he was sort of going back and debriefing some of his shots. It's not going to be like that. I, I'm guessing this is just sort of a roundtable conversation on the overall success of the Masters and the landscape of the world of golf. Are you expecting anything different, Bob? No, I don't think so. Those three players, all, those three people all together uh, aren't really known for being outspoken in terms of of certain things. So I think it'll be uh, I think it'll be a really reflective look and I think it'll be a good conversation. I'm not expecting any jaw-dropping developments where some Tiger or Jack says I think they've ruined the 13th hole or something like that. There may be some <laughs> talk about the changes compared, you know, and they may look back and over the different eras and and see who's who, but uh I I think it's going to be very interesting. I don't think it's going to be controversial, let's put it that way. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's, it'll just be cool to see these guys all sitting around and having some sort of conversation about golf as a whole and, uh, and the Masters. Now, before we go to break, uh, some news closer to home here with Golf Ontario, who have announced their Hall of Fame inductees for 2023. Now, we had the opportunity, Bob, this would have been, oh, geez, last October, where there was an event at Wooden Sticks, where we were playing during the golf portion. It was... Uh, us two, Carol Wagland and producer Jamie Rydell, who had shorts on. It was about four degrees Celsius, and he had shorts on. So, <laughs> call just just full pause on that. But anyway, it was an event for the Golf Ontario Hall of Fame, and now they've induct they've announced their inductees for twenty twenty three. They have, and uh, four deserving people um, headed with two media people. So I'm we're, we're happy with that. But uh, um, I think the um, the induction of Bob Boschman who is a teaching professional at Oakdale, site of this year's RBC Canadian Open. He was a, a longtime player, left-hander, by the way, played a little mm -hmm. bit on the PGA Tour, played the Canadian Tour, uh, then took a role as a guy who, in a lot of ways, people may say, sort of saved the Canadian Tour back in the day. He and his wife ran the tour out of a little trailer office, and they uh, put together a tour that grew under their leadership and became something special, and a lot of people... I think can remember back to the days, a lot of guys who were on tour. Mike Weir was a guy who played when Bob Boschman was running the Canadian tour, so that was great. And he's gone on to be, become a fine teacher. Uh, Audrey Bendick from, from Windsor, who unfortunately uh, passed away last year with, uh, with cancer. She was an outstanding amateur golfer. She's in there. And Gary McKay, who was a best known as perhaps the uh, golf writer for the Hamilton Spectator for about 400 years. Not 40, I guess, maybe accurate, more accurate. Um, he's going in, and he did a lot of work behind the scenes as a builder. He served on all sorts of committees, was held, one of the instigators to uh, help start the Golf Journalists Association of Canada. And Rick Young, who's going to get the Lauren Rubenstein Award, which goes to a media person. And I, I think Rick should actually be inducted fully into the Ontario Golf Hall of Fame, and I hope he will someday. Uh, but he's getting the nod for all the great work that he's done reporting and writing in golf. And uh, uh, so four, four good uh, inductees this year. Oh, that's excellent. Uh, personally, I've spent a lot of time with with Rick Young on on some of the trips, most recently in Los Angeles with with Adidas, and back in in Whistler for the Fleece and Fairways Adidas event. And we were both at that one, Bob. And that's uh, it's great to see all of these uh, great people in the world of golf being recognized 
this way. Coming up on the other side, we'll take a brief look at the Valero Texas Open, the final tune-up before the Masters. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by TaylorMade and the all-new Stealth 2, Stealth 2 Plus, and Stealth 2 HD Carbon Woods. Designed with more carbon for more forgiveness. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by JPSM Golf. Offering Canada's largest selection of electric golf trolleys. Good for your score good for your health. Visit jpsmgolf.com to find a trolley that fits your game. JPSM Golf, Canada's premier electric golf trolley specialist. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. We're going to take a look here at the Valero Texas Open, which gets underway tomorrow and i mean it's not the greatest field of all time but there still are some guys who are looking to fine-tune their games as we get ready for the season's first major which gets underway next week at the masters tyrell hatton is your betting favorite right now at plus 1300 followed by ricky fowler at 16 to 1, he has the second shortest odds of the Canadians in the field. There are four. Corey Connors, who won this tournament back in 2019, is 24 to 1, has the fourth shortest odds to win. And Bob, that's where I want to start. Corey Connors, who had some flashes of great play at the WGC match play after a year where like you have mentioned on the show before, him and the West Coast swing just haven't matched eye-to-eye throughout his career thus far. Now that Connors is back playing a little better golf, what are you expecting here from Connors not only this week, but heading to the Masters where he has three straight top tens? Uh, Yeah, he actually has started to play better, and I think some hard work in the off weeks grooving the best part of his game, which is off the tee and into the green, that rhythm, syrupy swing that he has, I think has been really good. And his putter is starting to perform as well. For the second time this year, his strokes gain putting, uh, approach the green, and off the tee were all on the positive side and all well into the positive side last week at the match play, even though he didn't win uh, through his group stage. But that's, that's the time, that's the, the, what you like to see from Corey Connors. And that's from our friends at D- Data Golf who uh, do that against the strength of field. So that's a good, good indicator in terms of where. Uh, Corey's game is going. I, I'm thinking he's going to have a good week this week and hopefully bring that with him as he comes into Augusta National. Yeah, totally. It's it's great to see Connors playing, uh, getting back into where we have seen him play in the past in terms of some, some great golf. Before we go to break, you mentioned it right there, and I want to follow up on that data golf. And we aired a feature on SportsCenter which aired during yesterday's 6 p.m. edition of SportsCenter. I believe it also aired throughout the, the latter portions or later shows as well, and it will air during our Masters coverage too. For those who maybe aren't aware of what data golf is and who is involved, maybe give us a brief overview about what it's all about. Yeah, very quickly, data golf is uh, really just two guys from Toronto, the Courchens, Matt and Will, and they have put together um, their love of golf, and they've, they're, they're also... Um, I call them golf nerds. I don't think they like that. They didn't smile when I said that. So they're golf, they're, they're data scientists and they mine all these, all this information and they're able to bring it together in a really cool way that is deeper and um, 
more advanced, I think, than anything I've ever seen. They've got a, golf, a website, datagolf.com, and there's a lot of stuff that's on there for free. If you want the real deep dive, you can pay a subscription price. And they just work out of a small little office. It's uh, Young and Eglinton. It's actually in a, one of those communal work, you know, like we work kind of places, sandwiched between a farm boy and a Staples. And, mm. and I can tell you, in talking to PGA Tour players, they reference it because it just goes that much deeper and gives them a little more insight into how they're actually playing the game. And these two guys are on the cusp of something very, very big, and it's, it's a really cool story. It really is. And if you want to take a deep, deep dive into the analytics of golf, you know, analytics has dominated the world of sports, whether, you know, it's Corsi and hockey and all these saves above expected and all these stats that are, are very new and now current and, you know, in baseball and NFL and everything. Golf is one of those and data golf is what it's all about. Go check out datagolf.com. It's pretty cool to go take a look uh, at what they can bring. On the other side, eight days away until the Masters officially is here. We'll take a deep dive into the Masters, some of the storylines. And hey, what can we expect from Tiger Woods? We haven't really talked about Tiger all that much heading into the Masters. We'll take a, take a very in-depth look at Tiger at the Masters next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by JPSM Golf, offering Canada's largest selection of electric golf trolleys, Good for your score. Good for your health. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. Visit weathertech.ca. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Mark Schettino is off today. He will be back for our many Masters preview shows. Exciting news to announce in terms of how much you can actually watch us on Golf Talk Canada next week as we preview the Masters. More to come next week. But Bob, this is, of course, the first major of the season. And you've been to many Masters. Do you know offhand now? How many this will be for you? I'm putting you uh, on the spot here. I didn't include this in the yeah. pre-show preparation notes, but I'm going to ask you this. <laughs> this will be 28. Oh, 28? Yeah, this will be my 28th Masters that I've covered. Oh wow. <laughs> okay, so I want to. So, I, so I I haven't been there, and a lot of people who watch the tournament always say, you know, what what is it like being on the grounds for the first time? So, if you can. Go back in time, 28 years ago, you were 11 years old going to your first Masters. No, uh, can, you <laughs> exactly. look to, can you take a look back? What, what do you recall about stepping on the property for the first time? Uh, the first time, it was sort of iconic. I mean, so much has changed in those 28 years in, in the media, where we were, what access we had, you know, where you went. Uh, there's, there used to be a barber shop in the clubhouse, and we used oh. to go over and get... I remember going over with Jim Hunt, the late great uh, reporter for the Toronto Sun, and we went over and got haircuts in the, in the barber shop. That barber shop is long gone, and uh, there's a lot. I mean, the range has changed. Um, the the biggest thing I, I will say, the biggest thing, if you are going there for the first time, uh, whenever I meet someone who says, "Oh yeah, I've got practice round tickets," or "I'm going on Thursday," or whatever it is, I say, "Okay, I want you to remember the first thought that comes in your mind when you go to the golf course. Like, what's your first?" image and I even said this to Adam Svensson because he was going shortly after the players championship to go and see it and I said and I guarantee you before when the next time I see you I'll tell you what it is what you're thinking 
and it's almost invariably nobody can really get a grasp of how hilly it is and the ups and the downs and I think it's 165 feet of elevation difference between the highest point on the golf course is the back right of the first green and the lowest part is right before uh, right in front of the creek on the 12th hole so those are the two biggest parts but that when you look down the 10th hole from the tee down it looks like a black diamond ski run I mean it goes way down so if you're going there just remember that and uh, and, and remember remember to kind of uh, rest up the night before because it's a big walk it's a hard walk to get around there the other thing I will give you if and this is another sort of a tip to somebody to people and people reach out once in a while and ask me for these if you were going to go and walk the golf course, as so many people do, do it backwards. Start at 18 and work your way back to the first tee. And the only reason I say that is if you start on a hole and you start walking along, following it in order, you end up following basically the same group for the entire 18 holes that you're walking. So if you want to see different parts, I always say just do it a little bit backwards. You won't lose much in the, in the interim uh, from it. But, uh, but yeah, it's changed a lot. Obviously, there's a lot more yardage. They've gotten a lot more sophisticated. Um, I can remember one of the things I can remember was in the old media center, they used to have this kind of hallway there were on one side, you'd walk into this building on one side was where you sat at your desks. It looked like a university kind of, uh, lecture hall. And on the other side was this was where they did the interviews where the players would come in in the middle was kind of this lounge area. And I can remember them bringing in HDTV, the Japanese had wired up Augusta national for HDTV. Nobody had seen HDTV. And this lounge was full all the time. Nobody could believe this television could be so clear. Now, of course, we, we take it for granted. But golf was a great place to test out uh, high-definition television. So, um, so many memories of the old days. And, uh, and I'm glad, uh, I'm glad we're, we're progressing to see where it is now. Yeah, and it's wild to see how it has progressed and how the Masters has taken the lead in many things from you know, a digital perspective, from where you can go and you can see every shot from every player. You can go online throughout the tournament, click their name on the leaderboard and see everything they do and whether it's good, whether it's not so good. Case in point, I believe it was last year, Mackenzie Hughes hit a cold stone hustle rocket shank on the 15th hole, put his arms up in celebration because he cleared the water, stuff like that where maybe it wouldn't be shown on the broadcast where you know us you know as canadians we like to have canadian highlights throughout throughout our masters coverage throughout sports centers coverage too so that that's awesome to see as well uh, i'm trying to i'm trying to think back of other masters tournaments in terms of hype in terms of storyline you know, we've seen so many in recent years and i'll just look back to recent years so you think 2018 you think Tiger Woods was was at the time the favorite going into the week, which was so wild. He'd come back from the spinal fusion surgery, played very well. Runner-up finish at the Valspar Championship a few weeks prior. I think 2019 and what that turned to be in terms of the great leaderboard, in terms of obviously Tiger Woods winning, but over a star-studded group of guys who came up just short. You think of the Pumpkin Spice Masters, as Mark likes to call it, back in 2020. What could we expect in in, in that year? But... In terms of this year, like there are so many storylines, but for you, when you think of the Masters this year and storylines, what is the number one storyline? I think it's the bringing together the PGA Tour and the Live players together, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean that this is you've got two different factions, two different tours, uh, two people who have at times been. Um, 
have created tense moments, not necessarily the players, but, you know, we've got lawsuits and we've got commissioners going back and forth. So I think that's probably the number one story. I'm actually shocked, to be honest with you, how little talk there is about Tiger Woods coming back to the Masters. We haven't really died in. You know, it's been dialed into that. It's been the big three, if you want to call it that, and John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, and Rory McIlroy. Those are the three guys that I think have been getting most of the attention in terms of, obviously, the betting, but, but that as well. And I think the other story might be the 13th hole. Uh, the, uh, the lengthening of that hole, I think a lot of people want to see what it's going to bring. I mean, the extent that they went to to get the extra 30 or 50 yards, you know, basically cutting off another golf course is the Augusta National or Augusta Country Club, which is really Augusta Country Club borders the Augusta National. And the Augusta Country Club is where the old, I don't want to say money, but the old families of Augusta, that's where they play golf. They don't play at Augusta National. It's it's really the, the kind of the historic course in Augusta. But they had to, you know, buy yardage from them and and hamper into their golf course the 13th tee sits in what was the middle of i think it's the 11th hole the old 11th hole at augusta country club and i think a lot of people are waiting to see how that's going to play and and what kind of changes that's going to be mentioned it's so many storylines and i i want to i want to start with tiger i mean because when we saw him at the at the genesis invitational we saw flashes of like great golf and we saw flashes of well this guy is put together you know like he's had so many different surgeries he's trying this new or he's really developed this new golf swing where he's using more of his core because he can't really push off the ground and you know we saw some unbelievable distance gains too as I'm doing this, I'm looking up the forecast of uh, at Augusta right now and in terms of something that I have spoken about a lot with Tiger and it's the heat it's the weather and when he has come back in this latest comeback since the accident every time he's played aside from the pnc championship the parent child tournament back in december it's been cold it's been you know mid to low teens in celsius and taking a look at the augusta georgia long-term forecast here it looks warm bob it looks thursday it looks around 28 degrees same thing with friday saturday we saturday we could be pushing 30 degrees celsius sunday around 27 so that was my first weather uh forecast ever in my career so let's put that (laughs) in stone but for tiger woods given it's going to be a little warmer as of right now at augusta national what what are you expecting from this guy? Because every time he shows up at a tournament, he's always going to say he believes he can win. But when he doesn't play much competitive golf, can he really do this? Can he really get in the mix again? What are you expecting from Tiger at Augusta? Well, I, I think you'll see him. This this is generally where he would play his best golf. I think you know he knows this golf course so well. He knows it inside out. He knows where to go. He knows where not to go. He, um, he's got a game that generally in the past has been well-suited in terms of his iron play. I mean, he's, you know, one of the, as we consider him to be probably one of the best iron players have ever, that's ever played the game. But it's still a hilly golf course. And uh, it's, you know, the, when we saw him last time in, in, uh, at Riviera, which is a pretty, pretty flat golf course, except going up to the 52 steps after the 18th hole to the clubhouse. And he didn't really limp or anything. So that's a good sign. Can he compete with the guys who are out there playing now? Even if you take away this latest iteration, I mean, you know, he's not a young guy anymore. He's in his late 40s. 
He has playing against, you know, young 25-year-olds. So uh, does he have the, st the overall stamina to compete when he hasn't really played competitive golf? I don't know. I think I'm sure in his mind he thinks he can win. But I think deep down in his heart, he probably knows that that's probably not possible. I always, I always hedge my bet just a little bit because you just never know what Tiger's capable of. But um, I think that uh, I think he'd be happy to kind of get himself close to the top of the leaderboard and let's feel like he's in the mix, even if he maybe really isn't. Yeah, I remember during our year in review shows last at the end of 2022, as we were doing some uh, predictions for 2023, I believe I said, and I think you were on the same boat as this as me in that Tiger would be in the mix after 36 holes, sort of in the last four or five groups because he can he like you said he's he's won this tournament five times he, he knows what he's doing around this place but from a, a temperature perspective alone given that as of right now it's going to be warm you think this has to favor him because like i have said a million times on this show it's not only his right leg that's an issue it's his back it's this guy is taped together with all these surgeries and he if, if it's warmer his body's going to flow better he's going to be able to hit that draw on the second hole off the tee not so much the 13th hole anymore with the changes, which we'll also get into here momentarily. But if it's a little warmer, Tiger's chances have to be better. Sure. The, weather, the weather's going to help him. The hills won't. Uh, the rust won't. But there's, there's lots of positives to look at. There's lots of negatives to look at. And as I say from Tiger, you just never know what you're going to get from Tiger. So you hope, it's, uh, you hope it's exhilarating. You hope it's funny. You hope there's another story there. You really hope. And exhilarating is, is the best way to put it. And during this all these comebacks in that gap, in that major gap from 2008 to 2019, whenever he was in the mix and there were so many, you know, master Sundays where he was making a charge. I think back to 2011, where he eagles the eighth hole during the final round and lets out this emphatic fist pump and that seemed like the world had stopped and was ready for him to break out. And obviously he won his 15th major. How awesome would it be? I mean, I can't even imagine what the storylines would be like if he were to go on and get in the mix for all of our recap shows uh, for Golf Talk Canada. The next weekend, of course, uh, during our Masters coverage, because you guys are on a lot of television as uh, the tournament is currently going on from Thursday through Sunday. Now, you mentioned this as well, the 13th hole and the changes that have now been made. So it's uh, about 35, 35 yards longer in, in that. Uh, so 35 yards longer. And. This change was a long time coming. This has been discussed for 10 years. Would you, 10 years at least, Bob, or is, is that maybe a little high? No, that's probably about right. I think they were always, uh, there was always some talk that they were going to try and lengthen it. They were going to try and lengthen the golf course overall, of course, and that started really about 20 years ago uh, when they started adding on here and there where they could. But I think it took a little bit of time. As Augusta always does, they always make sure that they've, they take their time. And I know they've been charting shots on that hole for the last few years just to see where players were and what players were hitting into the green over there and i think the year that bubba won in the second time i think that's 2016 14 um you know he took it he took the ball he didn't go around the corner he had enough height he went but way over to the side and he got it over the top and went down and uh, that was the year that i played in the member uh, in the uh, media day the next day and he um the, the caddies who were there all went down to try and find his divot because he had a sand wedge into that 13th green. Now, they did find what they're pretty sure was his divot, and they were all just shaking their heads. They couldn't believe it. So I think from that point on, 
you know, I think they really knew that they had to do something to preserve the integrity of the golf hole. I've talked to probably, I don't know, five, six players now uh, about who have played the hole. And they all say that it's, you know, considerably longer. I think you're going to see guys, I think you're going to see some guys, some of the older guys, like even Mike Weir might hit a wood in there. Uh, he told me that he had 240 yards in for his second shot on a wet day in February. So that's a long way to go. Uh, ben Crenshaw told me when, they first pl- when he first came to the Masters, he hit forward into that for his second shot. Now, obviously, he wasn't doing that later on with the ball and the changes and everything that's going on there. But I think you're going to see, I think you're going to see guys hit mid to, to you know, seven, maybe seven, six, fives, that kind of an iron. I think Rory hit a five iron, he said, in, in when he was playing a practice round there. So I like that. I, I think it make it make it a little more challenge, make, the, make it a little bit more of a, I won't say a real big risk reward, but it's going to make it tougher to get the ball close on that hole. So I think there'll be a lot fewer eagles and certainly a lot fewer birdies. Yeah, and Rory talked about, too, how in the past he would be able to hit an 8-iron from a flat lie, and now he's hitting a 5-iron from a lie that is above his feet. So you just imagine hitting that shot with that trajectory into that green, how challenging that is. And even if you do lay up, depending on where the pin is, it's an incredibly challenging layup, too, because if you go long on that hole, the, the chip back up is is very hard. We saw Tiger Woods put a ball in the water many years ago on on that uh, into a into a creek on or the creek that's right in front there on that hole too. So many storylines for Augusta National and throughout uh, from now until noon, we'll continue to touch on Augusta and what can we expect this year at the Masters. On the other side, we're going to update you on Monet Chun's progress at the Augusta National Women's Amateur because she is through nine holes in her first round and. We have a little update on Brooke Henderson. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. Home to 80 great courses, 60 miles of sandy shores, endless dining and entertainment. Visit PlayGolfMyrtleBeach.com to start planning your golf trip today. Wrapping up Hour 1 here on GTC, Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Time for a very early edition of Leaderboard Updates, where the Augusta National Women's Amateur is currently going on as we speak. The opening round Monet Chun, who we are keeping a very close eye on, is currently even through 10 holes. So she is T14 as we speak, and we will continue to update you on Monet's progress. If you missed our interview with Monet on Monday's radio show, you can watch uh, myself going one-on-one with Monet Chun, talking about her preparation for this tournament, how much of a thrill it was to receive the mail to announce that she was going to this tournament, getting a chance to play. That'll be on our television show, TSN4, 1 p.m., TSN2 at 5 p.m. as well. Bob, on the LPGA Tour, it's an event that Brooke Henderson won two years ago. But Brooke Henderson not playing this week. Uh, Do you have any intel on what the reasoning could be from Brooke? Uh, yeah, it's the LA Open, and uh, she did win this a little while ago. She's really trying to manage the schedule that she has in terms of uh, where events fall. Now, this is a different schedule because the normally this week would be the ANA Inspiration, formerly known as the 
Dinah Shore, yeah. uh, Mission Hills, but that tournament has gone to Houston, and it'll be played uh, the week after the Masters. So Brooke is, I think, focusing, as she should, on the Masters, being ready for those events, and she just felt that playing two before the, uh, the major was going, not really going to probably uh, help her uh, gear up and be prepared for that, so she's taking a little more rest. We know her, her MO over the past number of years has been to play like every tournament that's on the schedule. She normally and has in the past been either one or in the top five of tournaments played. I think she's kind of deviating away from that, and she wants to come into the major championships rested. So it does seem a little weird that you wouldn't go to a place where you have won before, but I think this one time it makes sense just because of the change of the schedule. I was just going to ask you that too. You know, we've seen her historically play at almost every week, and I, I don't know if burnout was ever an issue for her. But you know, as you know, she's been on the LPGA tour for a number of years now. Do you think that this ability to say, "Hey, I, I want to take a week off here and really peak for the right time of the season," could could really benefit her? I think last year, too, don't forget, at the end of the year, she had that back ailment. It wasn't really, I don't really want to call it an injury, but she, she was ailing with the back problems. And in the offseason, she began doing a lot of training and a lot of working out and a lot of uh, protections, uh, I guess you'd call it fitness, to preserve her body. She's not, you know, she's getting into her, the years where her, she's going to be in her peak years in terms of, if you look at LPGA players, and I think that that's probably one of the things she's doing. She's taking better care of her body. She might be saying, okay, I don't have to play this much anymore. I can be better if I play fewer events and I'm ready for them, uh, if I'm fitter for them. And I think that's probably a smart move. You don't, you know, you don't have to play every tournament. And I think when you're a young player, you sort of feel like you do. Yeah, totally. And, you know, looking forward to seeing Brooke Henderson uh, back in action next week and as, as the uh, LPGA major season as well is uh, just around the corner too, which uh, it's, it's a very exciting time of year. Now, Bob, quickly before we go to break, uh, Maddie Zurich as well. I mean, what a week she had last week, finishing in the top 10. And, yeah, tied for you know, seventh. Yeah, yeah and we, we spend so much time talking about Brooke Henderson, talking about her playing so well, but this is awesome to see another Canadian really get in the mix too. Yeah, Maddie Zarek posted her career best to tie for seventh, and she said afterwards that uh, when she was tied for the league going into the weekend, she sort of said, I, I feel a lot more comfortable this year. She Last year was really her first full year on the LPGA Tour. She didn't have a great year. She went back to the qualifying school, got her privileges back, and I think this year she just sort of feels like I belong. I, I, there's no reason why I have to worry about where I am. I just enjoy where I am and play the game of golf that I have. And it would be nice to see because we, you know, we aren't really not like the men's tour where you've got a Canadian in the top of the leaderboard every week. It would be nice to see Maddie playing well, getting herself in there. The last Canadian to win on the LPGA tour, whose name wasn't Brooke Henderson was Laurie Kane back in 2001. So that's a long time ago. We need a little more depth in the women's game in Canada. And Maddie uh, looks like she might be providing that. Yeah. Good for her. It's an awesome story. That's for sure. Okay. That wraps up our one here on GTC coming up in our two. We'll take a look at the Valero Texas open. We'll also make our TSN edge picks as well for this week we'll hear from james duffy as he gets ready to go to the masters with you bob and we'll also chat with bill price taylor made senior director of product creation putters and wedges because earlier this week bob i had the chance to go up to taylor made and take a look at the new putters we'll discuss that and much more coming up in hour two this is golf talk canada this segment of gtc presented by taylor made was brought to you by play golf myrtle beach the golf capital of the world 
Thank you for listening to Hour 1 of GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network. This is Hour 2 of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. Why Picton Mahoney? Visit PictonMahoney.com. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zucchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Mark Sacchino is off today, but Mark will be back for our many Masters preview shows. They all get underway next Monday at 10 a.m. right here on TSN 1050. Coming up a little later in the show, we chat with James Duffy, who will be heading to the Masters. We'll talk all about his experiences in the past. I'm definitely going to ask him about playing Augusta National, which I didn't ask you, Bob, but I'm saving that for the end of the show because I want a full, I want a shot. I don't want a shot by shot, but I, I want to know how you played at, at Augusta National. And I'm sure our viewers and listeners do as well. We'll get to that a little later in the show. But as always, we spend some time during our Wednesday Golf Talk Canada's to take a look and preview that week's PGA tournament. This week, it is the Valero Texas Open, where Tyrrell Hatton, as of right now, is your betting favorite on FanDuel at plus 1,300. Now, Bob, I know you're high on Hatton this week, and we were all very high on Hatton last week at the WGC Dell Technologies match play. But it was an interesting situation for him when he stepped on to the range during Wednesday's opening matches last week, where... Was it? Do you know if it was a hand cramp? Was it a hand injury? He was battling through. He's battling through some sort of injury. What are you expecting from Mr. Hatton this week? Yeah, I, I kind of read between the lines in some of the reports that it wasn't anything major. It was more of a, uh, I don't know, a blister kind of idea is what mm. I kind of got from it. But anyway, I think I think he's okay. So that's one of the reasons why I sort of. You know, I looked at him, first of all, I saw him on there, and I went, let's do a little search and see what's going on, and there was, oh, okay. But, but when, again, I, I, giving my f- friends at Data Golf all the credit, because I went and looked at some of those numbers that he's had, and they all do sort of show that, you know, he's trending up. Obviously, that runner-up finish at the Players' Championship helps you out on that. It's, um, it's interesting, though. He's never played here before, so that's one thing. I don't know if that's good or bad, but it's, uh, he's, not, he's either not... Um, not experienced or he's uh, got a fresh viewpoint. I guess you can take your look at it. So I just like the way he's playing. He seems to be having in a decent uh, shape. And, and I think uh, you know, he doesn't need the entry. He's going to be in the Masters next week. But I think he's a guy who can uh, maybe uh, go in with a win. And 17 consecutive made cuts around the world. So Tyrrell Hatton is certainly playing some great golf right now. Now a player who we have spoken about at length in the past, he, his game sort of not went off a cliff, but maybe went off a cliff. He struggled for a, a very long time, but now he's on his way back is Ricky Fowler. And Ricky Fowler right now has the second shortest odds to win at plus 1,600. Now, Fowler is like some of the Canadians that we're going to get to shortly. He, he is not in the Masters. 
right now. He's not in any of the four majors right now for Ricky Fowler. And he is a very different looking player than we have seen in the past in terms of his golf swing. It is not anywhere near as flat as it once was when he first came on tour. The kind of putter he is using, it's a counterbalanced longer putter now. And the sunglasses, of course. So you got to think of all three ways where Ricky Fowler is a, a little different. But the game of golf is in a better place, Bob, when Ricky Fowler is playing well. As Fowler gets ready to play in this tournament, and obviously there's a ton of pressure from what you've seen, uh, from what you've seen from some of the numbers and what you've seen with your eyes from Fowler throughout the year. What are your overall thoughts on him? My first impression when you said where he was in the betting odds was, you know, this guy gets a lot of people. He people love him. People just absolutely love Ricky Fowler. You see. You used to see little kids dress up in orange. Now you see like grown men dressed up in orange. And it's a little bit disturbing. But I think people bet him as much because they uh, want him to play well as they expect him to play well. I think they're really trying to make this guy... It's almost as if they could lay down a $5 bet on him might might actually make him play better. But he is definitely playing better. And he is he's an example of a guy who tried to make some swing changes and they went wrong. So he returned to you know the foundation went back to butch been working with him and trying to get that game back and i think it's starting to work around it's um it's it's kind of disappointing to hear that he's not in any of majors here was a guy who one year finished in the top five in all four so i i expect that he'll probably be in one or maybe two before the uh, season is done but it, it is um it is a guy that you just want to cheer for and i hope that he does have a good week in texas and Ricky Fowler, you mentioned the top fives in all four major championships and not winning. That was back in 2014 when Rory McIlroy won two majors and coincidentally Rory McIlroy was top 10 in all four majors last year and obviously didn't go on to win. But for Fowler, he started this wraparound season 173rd in the official World Golf ranking and now he's up to 59th. So it seems like Ricky Fowler is certainly trending in the right direction here as we head to the really the meat of the season on the PGA Tour. And I, I'm sure he'll find his way into one or two majors here as, as we move ahead. Now, we, we mentioned Corey Connors in the uh, in our one. He has the fourth shortest odds right now at 24 to one. Looking a little further down here before we get to the Canadians is Hideki Matsuyama. And Hideki Matsuyama is 25 to one to win right now. And He's been going through, it's been a, almost a calendar year, I think now, Bob, where it's sort of been on and off, or is it a neck issue? Is it a back issue? He had to withdraw from his match against Max Homa last week at the match play. For a guy who is obviously a past champion at the Masters, are you surprised that he's trying to tee it up this week, given the the lingering issue that he has had? Or do you think he's just trying to get gain more game reps as tiger would say to have hone his game because he feels good enough well we don't know but obviously i would i would like to think that maybe what he what caused him to withdraw from the match play was more of a tweak than a than a big injury and so there's one way to figure out if you can play the masters and i guess that's to play a week before i don't know if i would do that i think i might be the one of the guys who would sit back and say okay well maybe i should uh, just go and you know, hit balls or play practice rounds or do something like that. Hideki may have found a way that 
you know, maybe he's fine now. Maybe it was, as you say, just something minor that, but he didn't want to risk something there. But it is a little odd. Yeah, I think it's strange. I think with the major that you, as you say, you've won and uh, played so well at that maybe this would be a, a tournament that you could sit out. But he also maybe has, feels that he owes it to the, uh, to the organizers. I committed. Maybe I'm going to show up and play. Yeah, there you go. So, I, you know, good for Hideki Matsuyama, who certainly has done things his own way, and those own and that own way has has paid off in, in a big sense for Matsuyama. Twenty five to one right now. He is the sixth shortest odds to win the Valero Texas Open. Now, as we look ahead to next week at the Masters, we have four Canadians in the field. Of course, Mike Weir, who won this tournament twenty years ago. That's hard to believe. Twenty years ago, coming up in our Masters preview coverage next week. We'll have an in-depth look at that and we'll get the perspective from some of the Canadians who really Mike Weir opened the door for them to have the opportunity to think that they could be the next Mike Weir and get that chance to we'll have a little a fun little feature on that airing next week throughout our specials both on Golf Talk Canada Sports Center and our Masters preview show as well but he is the first Canadian Corey Connors is also in the field and then we have the Canadians who won during the fall portion of the schedule Mackenzie Hughes and Adam Svensson but now three other Canadians aside from Corey Connors who's playing this week but he's already in we have Nick Taylor, Taylor Pendrith, and Michael Gligic. Now, of the three Canadians, Bob, clearly Nick Taylor has had the best season, but Taylor Pendrith had a great summer last year. So let's start with Nick Taylor. Obviously, he knows what he has to do to earn his way into the Masters. He has played the Masters before, but it was back in 2020, which obviously was a very different tournament given the time of year, given the golf course, given there are no patrons out and about at Augusta National. With the pressure on, Nick Taylor's played well this year. What do you think about his chances this week? I think he's got a good chance. He's um, come close to winning, was that runner-up at the Phoenix tournament. Yep. And I think that... Um, I think that he's really confident in his game right now. He uh, has been working a little bit with Gareth Rafluski, who is, we've had on this show before, is a short game expert who coaches all sorts of players, a lot of LPGA Tour players, including taking Jin Young Ko. She credits him with allowing her to climb up to number one in the world. I think, I think he's probably got the best chance of the, the other three outside of, of Corey, and, and I really wouldn't put it past him. would not shock me if he won or at the very least was in contention coming down here. Now, I don't know if his record is anything uh, super special here. I don't even know if he's played here. I'll look that up in just a sec. But, um, but I do think that the way he's playing right now, it would not be a shock to see him win. Yeah, it would be, it would be great to see, given a guy who has four top tens already on the season. He's, he's uh, won before, obviously, on the PGA Tour twice. But you could really argue that in terms of consistency, this has been his best season so far and with four top tens already and you mentioned that wm phoenix open had a great chance there coming up just short to scotty scheffler as of rate at this moment nick taylor 48 to 1 to win this week at the valero texas open and it is interesting bob because uh, as i often do before this show i take a look at the canadians and what their odds are and i write them down and this was probably about 90 minutes ago before we were on the air. And Taylor Pendrith was also 48-1 to 1 to win the Valero Texas Open. That was at about 9.30. If we're live here at 11, 12 a.m. Now his odds are 70-1. to 1. So, I, I mean, I, I haven't seen odds climb that much. I, I wonder if someone, some 
hit a hosel rocket on the driving range or something. I mean, but for him to climb that, <laughs> that is bizarre in, in, in itself anyway. But on a more serious note for Taylor Pendrith, he had the top 10 at Pebble Beach, hasn't had the greatest stretch of golf uh, since then with a number of, uh, a couple of mis- or one miscut, I should say, T57 in Phoenix, T42 at the Honda Classic, T69 at the Players, T70 last week at the Corrales Punta Cana Championship for a guy who had a great stretch of golf. Last year to earn his way onto the inter- international side in the President's Cup, he knows what pressure is. How cool of a story would it be for Pendrith to pull through this week? Uh, it would be cool. I, I have my doubts. He I talked to him and I talked to his coach at the Players' Championship, and he just doesn't seem to be hitting on his strengths, which is off the tee, generally speaking. He has um, long and straight, generally speaking, off the tee. One of the longer hitters on the PGA Tour. I think top 10 in driving distance. And he's just been a little wayward here and there with, with some of the shots, just some loose shots. Now, his, his coach didn't say, Derek Ingram said, you know, there's nothing really specific that's going on. I think that he's had some life changes. He had a baby at the end of last year. That's kind of moved things around in terms of where your priorities are and, and perhaps maybe even your sleeping still a little bit. Um, so I think that he's, I think he'll shake out of it. But whether it's going to be this week, I'm not sure. He's certainly good enough and we saw that last year he had a couple of great chances to win at uh, Bermuda and in Detroit so hopefully uh, hopefully this might be the week that he turns things around but we'll see I think I still think Nick Taylor is the best choice but those that odd change is shocking it's very strange yeah I'm really curious how that went down and uh, anyway he went from 48 to 1 90 minutes ago now he's 70 to 1 so if you're looking for some value this week for a Canadian who played very well last summer 70 to 1 Taylor Pendrith Nick Taylor, 48 to 1 right now. And of the Canadians, Corey Connors, the fourth shortest odds right now at 24 to 1. At the end of the show, we will make our TSN edge picks for this week's Valero Texas Open. Coming up on the other side, we're going to switch gears a little bit and take a look at TaylorMade's putter line with TaylorMade Senior Director of Product Creation, Putters and Wedges. That is Bill Price. That's coming up next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cobble Beach, Georgian Bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community. Learn more about their award-winning golf course and growing community. Visit CobbleBeach.com today. Well, earlier this week, I had the chance to go to TaylorMade to take a look at TaylorMade's new line of Putters, and more specifically for me, the Spider GT Max, which has a ton of customizable options. And I'm looking forward to putting this new gamer in the bag because golf season here in the GTA is just around the corner. But for TaylorMade, they have a full line of putters for this 2023 season. For much more on that, Bob had a chance to catch up with Bill Price from TaylorMade. Bill, a great putter story for TaylorMade for 2023, and we're going to start with uh, the GTX model, which uh, is already getting some popularity, a lot of uh, people looking at it. Tell us about this putter from a general standpoint. What's the big, what are the selling features for this putter? Yeah, great. Uh, so every year we always have these new spiders, and the platform of spider has always been about stability. So this year's spider is called GTX, 
And what we did is we kind of blended two of our most successful putters. That was Spider X and Spider Tour. So the first thing that's noticeable is you're going to see True Path on top. So a lot of the players really enjoy the, the true path that we have on top right now. It makes it easier to light up. Guys like Rory McIlroy, so they prefer to have the, the true path. And most of our tour players uh, really enjoy seeing their line with the true path. So that's the first thing that you see. That was really brought in from Spider X. The other part is Spider Tour. Spider Tour had a very deep CG in the stability story. So with uh, the new GTX, you have a weight bar that's back here today, which gives it that look of a spider. And we pull the CG deep in the deep in the cavity here, so it's about 37 millimeters. So it's like just like Spider Tour was. So you've got this 154 gram weight bar back here. So great story for us, great stability story, and a continuation of what Spider's been on tour. Uh, lots of options with this one as well. You can move it in colors and things like that. Yeah, so one of the things that keeps coming up all the time, everybody loves our My Programs that we have with the Spider and the TP program. So we decided to bring the My Program to retail. So we're going to have six different finish options. So great opportunity for us. We're bringing back some, some heritage play, like with a white version that we have. We also still continue to have the red, uh, black, and, and then, we, of course, we have our nice uh, kind of dune silver here. Okay, uh, why don't we move on to the next model, which is, uh, of course, the GT Max, and this one is getting a lot of attention, as it should. Well, <laughs> it's got some pretty remarkable have, features. I don't know if we have enough time to talk about this one here, but this one is special because we've been working on this for five years, so it's not the normal putter. So a lot of times we go out, and the first thing that I always get, and I'm sure everybody that's listening to this, is which putter should I play with? You walk into a store and you see all the rack of putters, and you know it's a hundred different putters. Which one? benefits me. My simple answer to that is which one delivers it back to square? Now, uh, I know that's kind of technical there, but 93% of making that putt is getting that putter face back to square. So what I'm saying is path really does not matter. So in other words, I can have six degrees out and six degrees in, but if you're zero at impact, that putt's going in. So it's all about getting that face to rotate around the shaft and bringing it back to square. So with uh, Spider Max this year, we have, for the first time, you can see movable weights. So you've got 40 grams on each side. So that makes 80 grams total that are sliding up and down the track. So we're gonna be able to change the CG location upwards of about 12 millimeters. So up to close to 29 millimeters up front, and then all the way back, it's 41 millimeters. So huge story for us. How do I know which position I should have those weights in? I know everyone's gonna ask that. Yep, that's simple. So you can just go out to the putting green here and first thing that we like to ask is what's your tendency? And then I'm gonna dive a little deeper. What's your tendency under pressure? So when you go under pressure, you usually have a tendency to miss right or left, most of us do. So we wanna find out what that tendency is. And now by dialing in front or back, we can dial in that tendency and fix that tendency. So I'm not asking you to change your stroke. I'm asking, we're going to have the putter fit you. The, you said it took was five years in the making of putting it all together, and I know you did a lot of testing beforehand to make sure that this was actually going to grow, and those, and those tests really did prove the theory of what you were trying to get to with this, the adjustability, correct? Yeah, so a lot happens right here at the Kingdom. So what, what we see with the players when they come through is we're, we're grabbing different putters, and a lot of times we like to grab a putter that we like to look at, but necessarily that doesn't return back to square that we see. So it depended upon who you are, now we can fit. So in other words, if you have a tendency to miss to the right, 
So my tendency is to the right. And so we want to increase that rotation around the, the, the shaft. So we want that head to increase. So we want more closure is what I'm trying to say on the face. So we're going to slide, just start to slide the weights up towards the front. That's going to provide anywhere up, up to about two and a half degrees more closure. So on a 14 foot putt, the reason we're saying this on degrees is because it's about 0.72, a miss, less than a degree. So we're going to be able to work with two and a half degrees of opening that face or closing that face, meaning being able to rotate around the shaft. What kind of person would benefit from this? Is it, or is everybody going to benefit? It's everybody. We all have flaws in our putting. So the one thing is it's the most used club in our bag. So the one thing that we want to do is be able to get that face closure in the proper spot where, where whatever our tendency is. So like I was saying, if we miss right, we go forward. If we miss to the left, I've got too much rotation around the shaft. So I'm going to slow that down and move the weights to the back. So we always talked about toe hang. So this is a whole new technology of talking not just toe hang, but also having a CG location because we see it all the time with the players. And so we really started with the players on tour because each putter were trying to fit their tendencies. Uh, you said it took five years to pull this together. Yeah. How proud of you of your team at TaylorMade and what was the journey like to get to a finished product? Well, it, it, uh, it was great. I mean, to have really uh, the support of the, all the great engineers and all the research that we did with all the different players, but it really started on tour. And then we took all the input back from the tour players and seeing all the different data that's up there. What's number one is the number one stroke we see in our kingdom is three degrees outside in with one degree open. That's the number one stroke that we see. The number two stroke is the complete opposite. We see two degrees in to out and one degree closed. So both of those are missing putts. So we need to dial, imagine we can take a putter and dial that person in or every person that's out there today with one putter. It's like having three different spiders in one. The spider family has, as you said, you the, the, the other model you have there was sort of taking some of the best parts of previous models. What's the legacy of the spider lion, the spider history? It's such a great um, addition to, to people's golf bags. Yeah, great, great question. So, you know, like I said here, with, with moving the weights in the middle here, the number two slot, that's like having a spider axe. Moving it all the way in the back, it's kind of like a spider tour, like an old daddy long legs that we used to have. And up front, it's like our GT series. So the, the model we just talked about, GTX, is kind of like a one and a half here. So, like I said, not every putter is perfect for us. Which one can we rotate and get to deliver our tendencies and fix our tendencies? That's what we can do with Spider Max. And just to wrap up, uh, Brooke Henderson has a spider in the bag. Tell he us does. about uh, about putting that and getting that right putter for her. What a great signing for us and be able to get Brooke Henderson. It's great. And so she has a GT putter and she has a center shaft. So her face rotation is up front. So that's the nice thing about uh, Brooke is she's got a mallet, she's a mallet user, and there's a lot of advantages to using a mallet. We saw that uh, from uh, the first tournament coming on board with TaylorMade. Awesome stuff there from Bob and Bill Price. Coming up on the other side, we're going to chat with James Duffy, who will be hosting our Masters coverage from Augusta National. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Cobble Beach, Georgian Bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cadillac, experience Cadillac. 
Join one of our agents for a personalized virtual live tour of Cadillac SUVs, sedans, and EVs. Book your tour at cadillac.ca slash live. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Now joining us on the line is the man who will be hosting our Masters coverage from Augusta National, James Duthie. James, welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Uh, thrilled to be on as always, guys. Absolutely. Okay, so I asked Bob this in hour one, and his answer absolutely floored me. Bob's now been to 28 Masters, and Bob attended his first Masters. He was 11 years old, and now he's going to his 28th, <laughs> so it's a, it's a great time. But for you, James, how many Masters will this be for you? I don't think I've done the math yet. So I did my first in 2002, the year before Weirzy won. And then I, I had, a, I think, a long slate without, just because the hockey schedule had always coincided with the beginning of the playoffs but uh i think i started going again regularly this would be my ninth year so this might be my 10th although i did have to miss i did have to miss one um somewhere in there so ninth or 10th i'll do the math and not as many as bobby but uh i think i feel the same way as bob that i get as excited as my first every single time and there's no other sporting event I go to that I get as excited about, especially the, the amount of work we're going to do. I don't usually get excited about work. I always get excited about uh, the Masters like it's my first one. It it uh, It is a neat feeling when you walk on the property. I mean, I still, as I say, this will be 28. I still kind of have eggshells, though, when I walk around there. I'm still like a little bit, just a little bit nervous, and I think that might be out of, I think, respect for the golf tournament and, and for what they put on. But it's certainly uh, still a highlight to me. I don't know if there's anything that stands out in that way for you, James, but it's, uh, it, it does have a, a different feeling than any other golf tournament I've ever been to and continues to do that in a good way, but in a little bit of a nervous way. Uh, more, more than any other sporting event. I, my nerves are always, Bob, that I'm going to forget the cell phone rule. And I think you've had to tell me like three times because... You know, you live, you know, 358 days a year or whatever with your cell phone in your back pocket. And you, out of habit, you pull it out to look at. And I think you're, you're much better than me. You've caught me about four times uh, pulling it out somewhere on the golf course or near it and say, James, you're about to get evicted. So that, that's the part I get nervous about. But you're right about walking on the grounds. And uh, this is the line I'm sure you guys have said before, but every single person that goes to Augusta, I, I almost says the same thing, that I've been lucky enough to go to all these sporting events. And there's a lot of places in the world, whether you're traveling or you're getting to cover something, that you know you see it on TV and it looks amazing, and you get there and you're a little bit disappointed. And the Augusta National and the Masters is the one thing that's actually better than you would imagine. And I think that's really hard today when you can get let down a lot to have something that's that exceeds what you thought. And that's the way I feel about Augusta national every year. We're in conversation with James Duffy talking about the masters and James, before we dive into the actual storylines of those playing in the tournament, it's rare to have someone on the line who has played the golf course, who has played Augusta national aside from the professional golfers, of course. Now you mentioned some, some of these great sporting events you go to and get to cover. It's not like you got to go, you know, ru- you know, uh, kick a soccer ball on the field in Qatar or go throw a touchdown <laughs> at the Super Bowl. You get to, you got to play Augusta national as one uh, during the media draw a couple of years ago. What was that experience like for you? Uh, incredible. Uh, I had to bug Bob the day before. As soon as I learned on the Sunday morning that I was playing, 
I made Bob walk the entire course with me, mm-hmm. <laughs> tell me what he hit here and there and what I should do. So I apologize <laughs> to that to Weeksy because I was annoying as heck. Um, but it was uh, the, the funny story that I, I tell people is, you know, Bob and the rest of the crew leaves in the morning to go home and I, I'm at our house and I'm, you know, putting on the carpet, nervous as heck. And, and I, I reached to, in my bag and realized I didn't have any balls in the bag. Oh you know, it's the first time you, you pull your clubs off the shelf to take them down there because it's early April in Canada and they're all dusty. And I only had one ball in my bag from when I put it away in October or November. And so I was panicking and the taxi picked me up to take me to the course. And I said, I need to buy golf balls. And the only place it was open was a Walmart. And the only golf balls they had were, uh, I, you know, hot XL or something, you know? <laughs> and so I showed up at, 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 uh, Augusta national with like a dozen hot XLs and, uh, you get to the range and you, you know, the caddies are all waiting for you. It's perfect. They're in the whites and it's just, just like you're teeing it up on Sunday at the masters. And they have all these pro V's with Augusta logos on the range. And I think the caddy pretty much understood what I, I kind of look at him and said, I don't really have any good golf balls. And he turned away from me and I piled about a dozen <laughs> in my bag. So, <laughs> the only only time you'd ever play with range balls and they're pretty good ones <laughs> right. i was All right, honored let's, to play let's, with range balls yeah. the other thing scully right. just no, quickly no is, uh, um i made a uh the, the course is so beautiful but my, my my worst moment was i made a 10 oh. or a 9 or a 10 on 10 oh. and uh i hit it in a bush which you never see on television and I, you know, and then I tried to play it out of the bush and then I, like I hit it twice and then had to take an unplayable. Anyway, uh, Rory hit it in that bush like two years ago and I was sitting in the media tent and I said, Hey, that's my bush. Rory hit it in my bush. The first time I've ever seen it. The Duffy oh, Bush. That's what it's known as now. Everything has a name there. You know, yeah, the Hogan, yeah, the Hogan, Hogan Bridge, Bridge and the, the Duffy Bush. Yeah. That's it. Uh, all right, let's let's get uh, let's get some some serious stuff here going. What what do you think is the storyline in terms of the players going into this this tournament? The players or the the whole like live thing? Like, like, like I mean, with, that's the, yeah. That's what what do you think story. is the story? Do you? Th- I'm not talking about whole changes. I'm talking about you know the golfers themselves. What's the story? I think the story is the live guys being there. I I just think it's gonna. I think that. You know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Bob, when we're down there doing our hits, you know, usually we're talking about the favorites and so on. I think those, this will be the most interesting Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday that we've ever had at a Masters because of these, uh, whatever it is, 16 guys or whatever that are going to be there. And uh, and just the just the awkwardness of the whole thing is just going to be so delicious. And I don't know that any of them will contend. I I think it would be great. Like, I'm not necessarily a Patrick Reed fan. But would it be amazing to have Patrick Reed and Rory going down the stretch on Sunday or, or Cam Smith and John Rahm or whatever it may be? I, I think that would be just an absolutely incredible storyline. Um, beyond that, I, I, I think it's, you know, all the, all the obvious ones, uh, you know, the big guys going in. And, and Rory's probably at the top of the heap and, and Scheffler and Rahm and, and Spieth. Can he find it then again there? So I think the, those are all fantastic stories and tiger of course can he make the cut can he get around there all those things but i just think the live element adds so much to it this week it certainly adds yes yeah, so much to it and you know imagine even if a tiger and phil 
you know, let's say they both make the cut. Let's say they're paired together during a weekend round. That would just be must-see TV. But, Jay, yeah, yeah, you, you it, mentioned – amazing. Yeah, no, it would be. And, and, and you mentioned Tiger there. And in our first hour, we looked ahead at the forecast right now. And it seems next Thursday through Sunday at Augusta, it's going to be in the 25 to 30 degrees Celsius range. So for Tiger, you would think that has to be a plus given all of, you know, in this latest edition of his comeback, every time he's played golf, it's been cold. And that's not good for his back, you know, not even talking about his, his right leg. Given what you saw at the Genesis, given the, the speeds he was hitting it, given he was hitting it past Rory and JT at times, what are your realistic expectations for Tiger at Augusta National? I think that anyone who answers that question is, is guessing. I mean, you could ask some guy on the street and he'll have as much insight as, as me simply because we just don't know. We've seen so little of him. My, mine would be kind of the same as if, if he makes the cut, I think it's it's an incredible accomplishment. I just don't know. Look, at he's the only guy in the world that could pull this off. I just don't know how you contend when you've played so little golf and when it is the most challenging walking course, arguably, that there is on tour. And I think we saw it last year where, you know, I, he was excellent the first round and sort of gutted it out to make it and then really didn't have a lot left for the weekend. The warmth would be nice, as you say, and, and you know maybe he's gotten that a little bit better. He certainly was striking the ball wonderfully the last time we saw him. But, uh, again, I just, you know, to finish like a top 10 or something or to be in the hunt is would be a dream for all of us watching. But I just I can't see that being realistic. The, the rest of the players are, are just so good. The golf course is so challenging, and he's just played so little competitively that uh, I – I, you know, I, I just can't imagine him being there. So I'd love to see him play the weekend. Like you say, something like Mickelson, whether where no matter where they are in the standings, would be would be fantastic. But I do think it's we're kidding ourselves to think it's a realistic possibility that he would compete and be in it on Sunday. Then again, we probably said that a little bit in 2019 or as well, <laughs> whatever the year was he won a few years ago. We, he's defied the odds before, so maybe again. Uh, before we let you go, 2003, 20 years ago, Mike Weir slipped on the green jacket, one of the great moments, in my opinion, not just golf, but in Canadian sport. Where were you and what do you remember? So I was, to, the, to my early, previous point, I was doing a playoff game. And so we had it on, I, it, and whatever the playoff game was, I didn't watch a second of it. So I apologize to anybody who watched. The intermissions were probably very unprofessional because I was watching the Masters the entire time on another monitor and then raced home. It was an afternoon playoff game and raced home. So listened uh, to like about 15, 16, 17 was while I was driving home from the station. It was on the radio and then got home for 18 in the playoff. So was sitting at home and screaming like a fan, which is a treat for me. As much as you love to be there, there's not many things I get to do, you know, as a fan anymore. And to be in, you know, whatever, sweatpants in front of the TV, screaming at the television when he won, uh, is just as good a memory as, you know, being there when Tiger won a few years ago to me um, because I got to enjoy it. Oh, that's awesome, James. What a cool highlight. What a cool memory. And hard to believe that was 20 years ago. Okay, last one. 
before we let you go. And this might be the most important question of all. Last year, Bob and Graham Dillette had an egg salad sandwich eating contest. And I believe Graham came out on top, although I can't remember. We'll have to take a look back at our archives because we did air something on that. Uh, James, two questions. A, why weren't you involved? And B, if you are involved in some sort of uh, contest in terms of food this year, what should the stakes be for the three of you? Uh, Bob should have told you that I am, you know, I'm not healthy. Like I actually let it go with the masters a little bit. I eat a lot of the fried chicken and such and the the mac and cheese. Mm -hmm. I just can't do that volume of sandwiches. And, uh, my staple is the, the morning smoothie. Uh, you know, I usually make Bob one. Sometimes he'll partake. I think he hates it, but he actually, you know, humors me. He's like, Oh, really yummy. And then spits out the kale. But uh, the, uh, the kale blueberry smoothie is my only master staple. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. That's well, good we, one. Yeah, we saw a couple years yeah, ago, too, I believe. That's a real tradition for yeah. southern master's <laughs> yeah. tradition, the kale blueberry. Yeah, and I, I, I believe a couple years ago, too, you guys were doing hits from inside your rental house, and you were doing bicep curls with 100-pound dumbbells. So I, I, I yeah, think we'll be seeing that. Yeah, you know, Adam, that? I work out like six or seven hours a day. You know that. You yeah. can see it. Yeah, and there's I, you I, and the rock. I ask for the extra small uh, golf shirts this year, so there'll be a, yeah. there'll be a lot of flexing going on. Yeah, we'll we'll squeeze you into a schmedium, and then uh, we'll we'll go from there. But in all serious, James, uh, thanks for your time this morning. Can't wait to be a part of the Masters coverage. Can't wait to watch you throughout the week at Augusta National. Enjoy your time down there, and thanks for joining us. No, thank you, buddy, and great to have you on board this year. Thank you very much. That is James Duffy, who's heading to the Masters with. Bob and the crew on Saturday as our coverage gets underway. Can't wait. So we just heard James' story about playing Augusta National, but how about Bob's? Coming up on the other side, Bob will give us a recap of what he shot when he played Augusta National back in 2014. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Cadillac. Cadillac. Experience Cadillac. Join one of our agents for a personalized virtual live tour of Cadillac SUVs, sedans, and EVs. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf and the Tour 360 22. Tour 360 22 sits on the feet you wear last, serving as the foundation for the Tour 360 fit, while the Spike More traction system will help golfers stay locked in. Visit adidas.ca slash golf. Wrapping up this morning's edition of Golf Talk Canada with leaderboard updates. Leaderboard updates are brought to you by Bushnell Golf, the number one rangefinder in the world of golf. Some live golf happening as we speak at the Augusta National Women's Amateur, where Monet Chun, the Canadian, has now climbed inside the top 10. She is still even par right now at T9 through 13 holes. She is currently four shots off the lead. Top 30 and ties make it to Augusta National for the final round on a Saturday, which, of course, is at Augusta National. And speaking of Augusta National, we just heard James Duffy talking about his experience playing the golf course, one of the most famous courses in the world. And, Bob, you also won the media draw one year, had a chance to play it. Tell us about the experience. Uh, it took me 19 years for my name to get drawn out of the hat, so there was a long wait. A lot of years I brought my clubs down and left them in the garage of the house. We ran, never uh, never unzipped the bag, the travel bag, but I did get to play 
It was a, it's a great experience. As James says, they do it upright. You drive down Magnolia Lane, you get a caddy. Uh, I was nervous on the first tee. I won't, I won't lie. My legs weren't really functioning, and I hit this little, uh, little punch out to the left into the trees there, but I managed to make a, par, or a bogey oh, on that one. Okay. I think it was interesting. Going off the first tee, I was walking with my caddy, and he said, said, Mr. Weeks, are you a gambling man? I said, well, I'd like to have a wager here. And there he says, how about we have a bet? I said, what's that? He says, for every weed that you find today, I'll pay you $100. But if we don't find any weeds at the end of the day, you owe me 1000 And I started looking around on the golf course, and I went, uh, yeah, no bet. <laughs> There's just no weeds. It's just, even though I had walked around that golf course maybe a 1,000 times, there are places that you just can't get, can't get a real good image for or feel for until you're inside the ropes. The third green being the one the most notable. But uh, I played pretty well that day, and I hadn't played. As James says, you're playing for the first time since the fall. And I shot 85 and uh, didn't have anything more. I think I didn't, I don't think I had any, any four putts. I had some three putts. And uh, it was a caddy-assisted. I will say it's a caddy-assisted par uh, 85 or a shot 85. So they helped you out here and there, and they may not have told you exactly that they had fluffed up your ball or moved it over a little bit. But... Uh, it was a great experience, and, and one of the things that Sean Cameron Puffy, who's our, people might know from the Rubber Boots podcast, said, he said, the one thing you're going to feel is when you get to like 17 and 18, you're going to be seeing, sitting there going, I can't believe this is almost over. I don't want it to end. I don't want it to end, but uh, but it's a great experience to have played it once, for sure. Uh, oh, good for you. That's a great story. And I, I had a very similar feeling walking down Pebble Beach on the 18th hole. I sort of stopped and thought, no, it's over. I just didn't want it to end. But that's an awesome, uh, awesome story. Okay, we only have a couple of minutes left, Bob. And as we always do on our Wednesday show, let's let's hear your TSN Edge pick. So just just give us your three guys this week. Don't tell us why you like them. Just, just give us your three guys. Okay. I'm going with Terrell Hatton. I'm going with Taylor Montgomery, the rookie. And I'm going with Corey Connors. There you go. Those are your three picks. I have uh, Davis Riley. I have Ben Griffin. And I have Nick Taylor. As for Mark, he has Siwoo Kim. He has Adam Shank coming off that runner-up finish. And he also has Ryan Fox. Well, Bob, this has been the first leg of our Wednesday triple header. We're back on television in just over an hour on TSN 4. And then we're on again at 5 p.m. on TSN 2. And for those listening, you can go ahead, Bob. Yep. I was going to say, and don't forget we're on Sports Center tonight. You and I. You know what? It, it's it's like during our rehearsal before the show, we we just forgot to mention that because I was I was about to say the exact same thing. We read each other's mind. We'll be on Sports Center together. We've sp- already spent two hours together. We'll be spending some more time together here with our Speed Golf and All Masters edition of Speed Golf. That's coming up on Sports Center. Can't wait for that a little later in the day, as well as three handicap coming up on TSN.ca in our TSN Edge Hub as we look ahead to the Valero Texas Open. Bob, thanks for a great show. And we thanks. will be back on radio here Monday, 10 a.m., TSN 1050. Bob, you'll join us for a segment from Augusta National. We'll take a look at what's coming up at the Masters. Thanks so much for joining us today. And remember, the first good decision on the golf course always starts in the closet. This segment of GTC, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management, was brought to you by Adidas Golf and the Tour 360 22. Tour 360 22 sits on the feet you wear last, serving as the foundation for the Tour 360 fit, while the Spike More traction system will help golfers stay locked in. Thank you for listening to GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. 
For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit golftalkcanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network.